Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. God is good. What I want to do is um, take us on a little journey this morning. Is that all right? Would you please grab your Bibles for me and we're going to open up to the book of Daniel. God's been taking me on a journey for the last um, 21 days. He's had me read through the book of Daniel and um, do you know how the scripture says that there is hidden treasures and that the hidden treasures give us wisdom? Um, guess what? Where the hidden treasures are, they're in the word of God. And, um, and it's not just about reading the word, but it's about discovering the hidden treasures that he's laid out for us. And those hidden treasures are there to be our armor and they're there to be our path. You know, he's, he's given us these things to find so that we discover them and we grow from strength to strength. And I can't go into all of it right now. I'd love to share it with you one day, but there is a major, major hidden truth in the book of Daniel. And um, so can I encourage you in your own time to start from the beginning, read to the end, and I dare you to try and find the major hidden truth. It's really exciting stuff. But today I just want to hone in on um, chapter 3. So if we could just turn to Daniel chapter 3 and we're going to look at the story of um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, how many of us know the story well? We probably have heard it in our um, Bible stories as kids, but I thought I'd do a quick recap. But before I do that, I just want to um, shed some light on the book of Daniel itself. Um, the book of Daniel, from the when I first read through it, I was like a little bit puzzled, I must admit. There's a lot of things in there that you go, I don't know what that means. I don't know why that's there. So I did have to go to Dad's library and pull out a few commentaries and started to read through and it all um, made sense to me and, and brought clarity to it. One of the things that I found really interesting was, and I've never heard this before, is that the book of Daniel, out of the whole Old Testament, is said to be the most important and relevant book of the Bible for us today. I find that amazing. I didn't know that myself. Um, but the reason that they say that is because the book of Daniel is like a parallel world to what we live today. And so we can discover so many things about the way that Daniel and the three mighty men lived in those days and apply that to us today. So a couple of things about the two parallel worlds is that um, the believers, believers like us, just like Daniel, trying to live in a secular society. So that's where we're at. We live in a society ruled by secularism. Their religion was tolerated as long as it didn't intrude into other people's private, public, sorry, public lives, which is very much today. And it's creeping in like a little snake in the garden more and more. It's coming into our schools. It's coming into our workplace. You can pray. You can be religious. You can believe in your God, but don't push that on me. Don't bring that in on my world. And so that's what Daniel was up against. The other major thing was the idols. Now, what Daniel had experienced was physical idols, 
what we have is metaphorical idols. And I think sometimes we may be blinded by these metaphorical idols that are surrounding us and hitting us every day. So that's the parallel between the two worlds. Do you see it? Do you see what they're living through? Um, the other major thing is that it is a world revolving around me. It's, for, it's about me. Daniel 4.30, and it's talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. It says, um, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Is that not the way that the world looks at things these days? Like, I have built this empire of mine. I did it with my hands. I did it through my finances. I did it with my goods. I don't need God. I don't need him because my world revolves around me. And maybe we only come to him, like Phil Ken says, when we're in a terrible state. God, we need you now because I couldn't do that part on my own. But God isn't saying that. He's saying your world isn't revolved around you. It's revolved around me. And so we've got that parallel. Okay, I want to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're looking at um, chapter 3. I cannot read through the whole thing because we'll be here all day. So I'll give you another overview of the story. We have three Israelite boys. They were actually Israelite boys from the royal family too, which I found interesting. Um, brought in to serve at the king's palace. For three years, they would learn the language. They would learn the literature from the Babylonians. They would eat and drink from the king's table, and then they would be prepared for the king's service. And so that's what we have. We have these Israelites brought into, the, um, brought into Babylon to serve in the king's palace. And at the time of this story, they have gone through that three years, and they are, it doesn't say how many years, but they are serving in the king's palace at the time. Now, we have a look at... Um, 3 verse 12, and before I go there, we know that Nebuchadnezzar builds a giant golden statue, and what he has ordered is that at different times of the day, uh, um, he would sound the flute, it says the flute and the horns, it has a whole list, the lyra and the psalmist, and, the, and a symphony of kind music, and that everybody in the whole palace would bow their knees, lay prostrate, and worship the gold statue. But, and this is where our story comes from, oh, and if they didn't, they got thrown into a fiery furnace. That's where the story comes in. <laughs> but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't want to do that. So we come to verse 12. They have just recently been dobbed on by um, one of their fellow workers. They're in there working with all sorts of people. Someone's gone, hey, these guys aren't bowing down and worshipping at those times and they have gone on the sly and they've gone to the king and said, hey, you know those Israelites you brought in? Yeah, they're not, they're not bowing down to you, king. They're not respecting you. And so we look at verse 12. There are, and I'm reading from the um, New King James Version. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So, they're not, they're not obeying the king. They're not doing, you know, I, I can imagine it's like, all I've asked for you, I've given you everything, and all I ask is that you just do this one thing. Um, I would imagine that the king would probably just go, fine, just throw them into the fiery furnace. 
but he didn't. He was enraged, and then he said, bring them before me. And so the king, they, they come before the king, and he says to them, is this true? Is it true that you are not doing the one thing that I've asked after everything I've given you? You're not doing the one thing I've asked. And their reply comes in Daniel 3, 16 to 18. If we can all have a look at that and read along with me, because it's an incredible scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. There's our even if, isn't it? Even if. Now, I know that it's easy for us when we look at these, these verses and we know the end, right? But they didn't know the end. They didn't know what was before them. They just decided there and then, we don't care. We are not bowing down to your idols. And I know why it was, because they knew the word of God. They knew that Exodus 20 verse 3 said, you will have no idol and you will not bow down to them. That was one of the Ten Commandments, right? Have no, have no idols, do not bow down. It's more detail, but that's basically it. They knew the commandment that was set before them. I, I question us today, you know, where has our fight gone? Where has our stance for purity for the, the morals and the commands that God has set before us to stand on the word of God. Like how many times do we um, get asked, you know, you know and, we, and we think, well, what should I do, God? Like what, what is the best thing to do? But we don't just go directly to the word of God and just look at the black and white text that says, do not bow before any other God but me. And that's, that's what the word says. But these men... They knew their scripture, they knew their God, and they stood before and they were prepared. They were prepared with the word of God. I love this. I love that it doesn't say, and I think this is often happens to us, it doesn't say straight after that, that um, they went away and retreated and prayed. They sought the Lord for the answer. They fasted for 21 days because, okay, let's look at the position here. Some commentaries say that they found real favour in the king's eyes, that not everyone would have been asked to come before them. He would have just sent them straight into the fiery furnace. But he said, come before me, and, and almost tried to reason with them. He said, come on, guys, I've done a lot for you, and all I'm asking is for you to do this. I bet, and, and it's suggested, that maybe he even was saying, all I need you to do, look, I, just, I can't have the other guys disrespecting me. All I need for you to do is just stand right at the back, just go right at the back, and you don't even have to lay prostrate. You don't even have to worship. I just need you to like just tilt your head a bit. You know, just acknowledge that I am your king and that I come before your God. Just acknowledge that. But these guys, <laughs> come on. When it's presented that simply, how many of us would have gone, okay, hang on, 
God has put me in this position. He's prepared me for three years. I'm in a position where I'm in, a, I'm in authority right now. I'm, I've got the king's ear. You know, maybe God has put me at a, in a time like this to speak to the king. And now I'm going to ruin that by just not acknowledging the king, by not acknowledging his idols. It's pretty scary stuff when we look at it from that perspective. But this is the thing. He said, do not bow before any other idol. And so here we have the question. Do we, like Daniel, when we have asked not to pray to any other gods, do we then retreat back and just pray quietly and shut all the windows? Or do we, like Daniel, open up the windows and say, no, I will worship my God boldly. I will pray to my God boldly because he is the king and he is the Lord and there is no other God before him. You know, I definitely fall under this this category. Sometimes, you know, it's easier to fly under the radar. Sometimes it's easier not to make a fuss. But I think that what God is saying to the church right now, and can I dare I say, Donald Trump said to the church, where is your voice? Where is the voice of the church? When are we going to stand for what is right and not be in the gray? Not be, oh, I'm just trying to appease you. Yes, we are supposed to be carriers of love and grace and acceptance, but we cannot compromise on what the Word of God says. We cannot compromise. That is not what God is asking of us. Oh, where has our faith gone? Where has that stirring in our spirit gone? Where, when was the last time you stopped and fought for what was right in your life? When was the last time you put your foot down and said, enough is enough. I will not be jobless anymore. I will not be wandering in the dark. I will not be worried about what other people think, but I'm going to seek the Lord where he may be found and find his answer for my life. We have to get to that place where we say, your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. And can I just chuck in another wobbly? Sometimes your will, not mine, gets a little bit, you know, confused. And sometimes when God, we think God is not good because he didn't listen to my prayer. He didn't do, my my heart's desire was. But is that because your will and your desire is not aligning with his will and his desire? You know, God has the biggest, he has the plan. He has the big picture. And we only see a fraction, but he sees the big picture. And there's going to be times in our lives, probably a lot of times, where we go, I do not understand what you're doing here. Like, seriously, I'm walking on water here. I don't understand what's going on. But God has the big picture in store for your lives. He wants good for you, not evil. He has a promise for you. He has a destiny for you. And he's given us visions. He's given us dreams because we are supposed to be going for them. We're supposed to be running the race, not dawdling and waiting for someone to give us a push up the backside. We're supposed to be running the race. We're supposed to be focused. If we can't be focused, if we can't, then what's the world supposed to do? If they're just trying to get through, people that don't have a hope in Christ, 
they're just trying to live. They're just trying to pay for their groceries, get their kids in school, pay for their house, you know, and their focus is here. But our focus, guys, come on. We are in his kingdom. We are in the world, but not of it. And that's what Daniel and the men saw. They saw that, hey, we can be in your kingdom, but we're not of your kingdom. We're of the kingdom of God. And that is what we've got to see. We've got to see that. Okay, I want to have a look at three things that enabled them to make their decision. The first one is that they knew that God is good. They knew that God is good. No matter what, they knew, no matter what happened, that God would be good. God would be sovereign. His favor was upon them. Number two, they knew their scriptures. They didn't have to go away and pray because they knew that Exodus 3 verse 20 said, do not bow before any other idols. They knew their word, so they were prepared. They were prepared for that moment in time. They didn't need to retract. They weren't intimidated because they knew that God was by their side. And number three, they were willing to die for their convictions. I, we have never had to come anywhere close to dying for our convictions. I think we're pretty lucky in this Western society. But gosh, if that time ever comes, I hope I'm prepared. I hope I'm, I've got his spirit inside me because it's going to take more than just a few scriptures and a few shamas to get me to die for my convictions, you know. But we've got to have the Holy Spirit with us to give us strength if that moment ever was to come. I love this. Their faith through their... And I love that you were highlighting even if. Their faith through their even if moment became a but God moment. Their faith through their even if he doesn't turn up became a but God. And we know the ending. We know that they, they turned it up seven times hotter. The guards came in, the guards melted. They walked straight in. And then suddenly, as they look closely, they see men walking and they start to count. One, two, three, four. Hang on, we only put three guys in there. Who's that fourth man? That is Jesus walking alongside you in your trials. They were just chatting. They were just walking around in the fire. It's incredible. <laughs> I know, it sounds outrageous, but it happens. It happened. It's right here. The fourth man was God. He saved them. They were completely untouched by the fire. They walked back out of the fire. Nothing was burnt. Not one stinky, singeing hair. Nothing was burnt. They walked out completely fine. And do you know the good news you know how I was saying, well, what if God put me in this moment for the king? And, you know, he's, he's, what, if, what if God wants me to be the voice in the king's ear? I don't want to ruin that. Do you know that it says, I can't remember what part of the scripture it was. Hang on. <coughs> but it says that King Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and said, surely your God is the true God. And he is God above my gods because my God couldn't save me from a fiery furnace. And he, got, he gave more favor to them. There was more favor on them. They could speak clearer into King Nebuchadnezzar's ear. 
how incredible is that? God came through, not just came through, but he proved to that king that he is the God of all gods. God has our back. I want to read you one passage from the commentary. I couldn't put it in better words, so I think it's just worthy to just read it. It says, God does go with his people in their trials. Countless believers have testified to that. So let us be confident in the promise of that presence and be strong. Let us stand for the right and do it. Let us refuse to compromise, but let's really stir up our spirits. Let's stand with unbowed heads and rigid backbones before the golden statues of our godless materialistic culture. Let us declare that there is a God to be served and a race to be won. Let us shout that we are determined to receive God's prize, which is far greater than this world's tinsel toys, and that we are servants of Him before whom every knee will bow. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're ever in a situation where you can't feel His presence around you, just like I've been taught, you bow before Him and say, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and He will be with you in that moment because you are surrendered to Him. Let's look at those three points. God is good because He stands by you in your troubles. I'll say it again. God is good because He stands by you in your troubles. God is good because He has a plan. He has the big picture. He has the plan for your life. He has the plan for this church. He has the plan for this nation. He has the plan for this world. He has the plans for the generations now, for the generations before and for the generations to come. We are just a part of the puzzle. We are one part of the puzzle. God is good yesterday, today and forevermore. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.